0: 720 WGN 609. Mark Harmon with you. This is Sports Central. Blackhawks hockey coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. The Blackhawks and the Flyers. Game 2 of the 2010 Stanley Cup Finals. We'll have Game 5 tomorrow night. And then Game 6, the clincher, next Saturday night. So three games left for you to enjoy some Blackhawks hockey. Last night was Northwestern and Mississippi State from the Gator Bowl. And that was a ton of fun, our first football broadcast that we replayed. And I was talking to Sam Valencizi who was a kicker on the Wildcats Rose Bowl team after the game last night. And Pat Fitzgerald called in unexpectedly to celebrate that game and talk with his teammate because Fitz, of course, was also part of the Rose Bowl team. So that was a lot of fun. You can check that out at WGNRadio.com. So, team, we are T-minus 25 hours and 50 minutes to the last dance, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary that is going to air on ESPN tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Chicago time. Needless to say, I'm extremely excited, borderline nervous about what is coming. The documentary's producer, Jason Hare, was on the morning show with Bob Surratt. We're going to play a little snippet of that coming on up here. And I've got Sam Smith who's been covering the Bulls since basically the Bulls existed. We'll talk to him in this first hour. I had a lengthy conversation with Sam and I picked out uh, I think a certain snippet that you will enjoy the most. But just for history's sake, nineteen. Ninety-seven, the year before this Jordan doc was my first time ever in a Chicago Bulls locker room, in any locker room in Chicago. Hadn't been to a Cubs game, a White Sox game, Bears game. The Bulls were the first. I had graduated from the University of Iowa and I had no life plan. So I started taking some radio classes at Columbia College And they had a reporter there by the name of Red Motlow, I'm sure people remember that name, and he would teach a play-by-play class that allowed you to go to a Bulls game, do play-by-play, see if you were any good, and then you got to go into the locker room after the game. So I was this huge Jordan fan, this was unbelievable. It was the third game of their fifth championship season, they're playing the Vancouver Grizzlies, Bulls beat him by 23 it was a nothing game and here i am this kid who grew up in chicago in the locker room and there's michael jordan and he's doing his first wave of interviews with tv reporters and they're done and those guys would wait outside the locker room for since basically halftime of any game because they wanted to get prime position next to michael and so when they were done then the newspaper guys who were sitting courtside for the entire game later in the line they would be next And then you'd have your random third waivers, maybe people who are looking for a feature story or people that just really wanted to hang around Jordan and see anything that he would say. And on this night, Michael just continues to hang out. He's answering all the questions for the seventh time, and now he's telling stories, right? And there was a reason for him to be in such a good mood. Number one... They had just won an NBA championship last year. Number two, he knew he was on the best team in the league again. Number three, he was playing great basketball. And number four, ten days uh, out, was the release of Space Jam. So he had his first movie coming out. So this guy's just in a great mood. And he's joking around. And the day before, he had been on the Oprah Winfrey show. And so Oprah, being the creative Oprah that she is, she goes back in time and finds this ridiculous dance that Michael and Scotty and Horace and a guard that was on the team at that time, Sedale Threet, they were, I think, at least according to Michael, the way he remembered it on the show, I think they were in a mall in Houston that had some karaoke machine, and so they were all dancing to Cool Moe How You Like Me Now which, Curtis, you maybe can pull that up. It's a fine, fine tune, How You Like Me Now. And Michael looked ridiculous. Horace looked ridiculous. They all looked ridiculous. And they play it to, you know, poke fun, have fun with Michael on the show. And he's kind of, he's he, at first he was really nervous that Oprah was going to find something, you know, that, that he really didn't want on TV. But this was just a fun thing. So we're sitting there. I I tell that story because the next day, here we are in the locker room. Michael's talking to everybody. I'm this big Jordan fan, and he's. I wasn't expecting that I was going to get to ask a question, but here he is. He's hanging out. Like, I can. There's plenty of room here if I want to ask something. So I'm thinking, well, what should I say to Jordan? And I said, uh, I'm like, oh, I got it. Let's see if he will. jump into the How You Like Me Now dance from the Oprah show and and, and just kind of mimic how he was dancing back in the day. So I asked Michael Jordan, my sports hero, my life hero, hey, Michael, how about a little How You Like Me Now dance a la Oprah, which I can't believe came out of my mouth but did, and he turns and he looks at this 23-year-old kid and just starts shaking his head and says, don't jump in as in don't jump into the conversation as in you're a complete clown as in everybody who was left standing there starts laughing and he walks away. So now I've ended the interview. He's a, he's Jordanized me in a way where, cause what we're going to learn in this documentary, right? Is that he's, you know, he had this great image. He was a super sweet guy, but if you challenged him, his competitive nature was going to come out. And I guess in some weird way he thought that that question was a challenge and he put me in his place. Don't think that I'm going to do some ridiculous reperformance of what Oprah put on TV there, young Carmen, you imbecile. Yeah, I think he did it in a slightly nice way. He wasn't angry, angry, but he had this little Jordan way of putting himself, putting others, putting me in that situation in, in my rightful place. But so he's nervous. I think Mike is going into the last dance that we're going to sort of learn the real Michael. I'm excited to see more of the real Michael. He polished that image so much to be the all-American guy, the guy that you know, sold McDonald's and Chevy and Coca-Cola. And when he was on 60 Minutes, if people remember, he would he showed the first time he was on 60 Minutes He was ironing, he was doing his laundry, and he was talking about how he thought he'd have to do that and be domesticated because no girls would ever date him. So he was really, you just crafted that image for such a long time. I love that he's actually willing to step out of the the perfect image and show the full Michael Jeffrey Jordan, which now, by the way, is 25 hours and uh, 43 minutes away. Tomorrow night at 8. Sam Smith's coming up. Interesting conversation with Sam around Mike and the Bulls that's straight ahead 720 WGn
1: how you think or feel or see another MC get paid? using my style and I'm playing the background Meanwhile I ain't with that. so I highly recommend
0: that you YouTube that one and check out Mike and Scotty and Horace in the late 80s doing a dance to how, how you like me now they were that was a young team coming together. Beautiful times. 619. We've got hot Blackhawks hockey coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Chris Bowden is ready to rock and roll game two with the Philadelphia Flyers. That will start at 7. So I'm thinking back to the Michael Jordan Hall of Fame speech, which a lot of people didn't like. He's in there firing at Jerry Krause. Organizations don't win championships. I didn't see organizations playing with the flu. He's going at Leroy Smith, who was the young man who made the high school basketball team over Michael when he was a sophomore, got cut, played on the JV team. He didn't really get cut. He just didn't make the varsity. Went and played JV. He named everybody. And he took shots at the Pistons. And People were like, oh, come on, man. Just be grateful. You're going to the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, this is great. I love it. He's detailing to you who he is. So let's pick up the conversation with our guy Sam Smith, who covered the Bulls for the Tribune, now is at Bulls.com, right there. And and Sam, uh, about that Hall of Fame speech, what what did, what did you think?
2: We're walking out and the reactions, and people go, oh, it's horrible, it's horrible. I wouldn't have said that. And I, I, I would say, I love this. This was one of the great speeches of all time, because he just, he, he was a, everybody always thanks everybody, and he does a practice speech. And he walked up there and said, hey, this is who I am like me or not, but I'm going to, I'm going to be who I am. And, and, you know, it was good, good for him. And so in other words, he's an intense competitor who takes names and doesn't forget, but again, not a bad guy. Didn't do anything wrong. Didn't commit any crimes just in the interest of success. Wasn't about to take shortcuts and it wasn't about to excuse anybody, and so it, it, it was great stuff and and and, and that you know, that was what the Jordan rules were effectively about. It was about you know it was about the team, it was a diary of the season, you know but obviously focused on Michael of course who he was, or you know a lot of it did um, not the, not the book, but a lot of the coverage of it, but it, it, it said, this is who he was, this incredible, intense manic. One once in a lifetime competitor uh, that you know other other people shot better, other people passed better. Every there was always someone in the game who do everything better than he could do it. But his level of skills, when you merged it with this this incredible level of competition, competitiveness, drive, uh, that's what makes you the greatest player in the game.
0: See, and I would quibble with you on that one because. I always looked at it like he's the he was the fastest player on the court in his athletic prime. He jumped the highest in his athletic prime. He, people said no, no, there was no
2: no there was you could find I could find you pull out that season I'll find you guys who could do every single skill better than Michael Jordan, but he combined so many of them at a high level. Certainly wasn't a good shooter. He has the all-time worst score in the three-point contest, so we know that. Don Stockton was a point guard at the same time, so we know he wasn't the best passer. Uh, you know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't a leading rebounder on his team. Uh, you know, they were he was he was an exciting dunker, but uh, most people think Dominique Wilkins won all those dunk contests. So, you know, uh, that wasn't what made Michael Jordan there wasn't there uh, what i can what i can find is one single player in the nba then or probably in history who competed like he did uh, every waking hour of the day and that, and that's that's the famous stuff you know shooting pool uh, ping pong you know sitting on the bench uh, you know, betting, which, you know, uh, band's going to come up the conveyor first because he paid off the guy, you know, to put it. <laughs> it, 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 it. It was a lifetime of that that transferred over to the court. And, you know, the cliche about 48 minutes, which is all nonsense. Every You know, every coach, stupid player coach says that. It's, doesn't mean, this was that. He was the only one. 48 minutes he came out, and the first possession of the game he was up in your face trying to steal the ball right to the last possession of the game and going as hard as he could the other way it, it you just don't see that
0: i could debate this one back and forth like open jump shot i'd rather michael shooting it than steve kerr slash mark price now percentage wise yeah i'm gonna be wrong but when it yeah, ca- that's the point <laughs> and, uh, that's yeah. all my point is yeah you're okay skill wise you know, historically wise, you know,
2: they were much better skilled shooters, a clutch player. yay, yeah, maybe, but Michael himself said, you know, I miss remember his famous commercial. I failed. Yeah. You know, and he mentioned, I failed so many times, so I could succeed. That's wise. And I was, and actually, it's a great. You know, that was a big era of, you know, don't be a role model and Barclays famous commercials. And but you know that he was role model stuff because he was saying in effect. You know, I fail plenty of times, too, but that's what drives me. And what you learn best from is your mistakes. I learned from, you know, people forget, you know, when he hit the great shot in 89, one of the great shots in NBA history to beat Cleveland and set the Bulls basically on their run. Uh, he had messed up the previous game. He yes. made the free throws down the stretch uh, that, that forced game five. He could have closed it out at home in game four. He missed two, pre- two key free throws down in the last minute in the fourth quarter, last two minutes, whatever it was. And then in the overtime, and then Brad darty made one, and now they get to game five, and it looks like they're going to lose it. And so, you know, the, yeah, he made the clutch shot and all, but he, he failed first and then learned from his failure and succeeded at this high level. And then that's another thing that makes him unique because he didn't run from the failures. He used them to become better.
0: I remember it he split a pair twice. I was sitting yeah, in, right, two free throws, two yeah, key free throws. Yeah, I was sitting in section C aisle 3 row H seat 18 and 19 and I felt sick to my stomach walking out of the stadium like how the hell do they lose that game? That never happens. He never misses those free throws. And then he hit what I what I consider like that's my favorite Bulls moment of all time. You can take all the titles, but that moment, down one, the whole season on the line, and it was just inc- it was incredible. And I, I ex- you can
2: make the case the whole franchise was on the line because you know that was a setback season. And they lose that, you know they they go to the they go to the conference finals and ahead two to one, you know. So yeah. it changes everything. They lose that game, you know. There's a pretty good chance, you know. Maybe they're breaking up the team. They might trade Grant or Pippen. You know, it might have been, you know, because Jordan is getting frustrated. He wants Walter Davis. He wants Buck Williams. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on, and, 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 and with that with that shot beyond just making the shot.
0: So did you know, by the way, Ed, that they were going to fire Doug before those playoffs started? Yes
2: and no. It, there was a lot going on with Doug, and and I was I was hearing stuff that that it was it was really bad. If they had lost in the first round, yes. I I'd actually we we had a crazy editor at the sports editor at that time. I can't even remember his name, and I'd gone to him like the last not not patting myself on the back, but I you know I knew this was going on and. And I, and during about the last month of the season, I said, you know, you know, losing a lot, you know, things are not going well. Doug and uh, fighting with the staff. I said, there's a fairly good chance he he's he's going to be fired. You know, he could be, he's not going to be, but he could be at the end of the season. And I said, nah, you don't write that. That that's that's ridiculous. That can't happen. All right. So then I you know I sort of let it go, and then and then they get to the conference finals. So I so um, you know I'm like everyone else. I said, well, that's past. You know. They, you know, this this is over. You know, he's he's going to get an extension. You, you know, this 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 is an incredible run. They've established themselves as a the number two team to the Pistons for sure. So when it happened, I was stunned. I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it.
0: So there's my guy, Sam Smith. And uh, after Blackhawks hockey, I'll play a little part two of that conversation where he kind of sizes up the whole history of the run, and some people are having the questions, or I have the question. Which was the best Bulls team? Sam gives a pretty interesting answer on that. A little memory lane when, hey, Doug Collins was beloved in this town, and Jerry Krause fired him after 1989 in the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost in six games. It was a stunner at the time. And what I'm noticing, by the way, in all the promos for the last dance, we're going to have to relive the Jerry Krause thing. It's going to be front and center and i've done my best to let that go and not be angry at that man who in my mind had a big reason why that team broke up but it's going to come rushing back here there it's a big part of the story 3129817200 if you want to jump on in here what are you most looking forward to in watching the last dance tomorrow night i'm assuming you are going to watch it I feel like this is even if you're a huge sports fan or not a huge sports fan this is like must see tv at eight o'clock tomorrow night what are you looking forward to what do you want to learn uh what what is compelling about this for you and also i'll take favorite michael memories favorite jordan memories from that season or any season that comes to mind would love to hear them 312-981-7200 it's 720 wgn 633 720 wgn mark Carmen with you Blackhawks hockey coming up at 7. Game 2 versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Chris Bowden is in the house ready to give you a little Blackhawks memory tonight. Game 5 tomorrow and then Game 6, the clincher, next Saturday night. Asking for Michael memories. The last dance tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Favorite moments that you had watching Jordan and the Bulls. It could be on TV. It could be at a grocery store. It could be at Old Chicago Stadium. It could be at the United Center. Anything is open. You want to include Space Jam, feel free. Let's get some Michael stories going here. Tom, on the northwest side, I'll tell one of my own as well, but Tom, you get to kick us off here. Go ahead, Tom. Welcome to WGN.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, My favorite Michael Jordan memory is the time that me and my buddy possibly saved his career when uh, it was his second year in the league and my boss had been telling me for over a year, I'm going to give you my tickets. You'll like them. They're great seats. And he didn't tell me where they were, but that second season of Jordan, he gave me the tickets. They were on the main court, right in the first row, right under the basket. And uh, they were playing the Celtics and there
0: was wait, a play wait, where... Wait, hold on a second here, Tom, before you go any further, because I just got to make sure that we're all on the same wavelength here. We're talking 1985-86, Jordan's second season? Yes. Okay, that's the year that he broke his foot. He right. he, he missed 64 games. So you're saying after he broke it or before he broke the foot?
3: I, I believe it was after he broke it okay. against the Celtics. Okay. And we're sitting in the front row, and at the other end of the court, He blocks uh, McHale's shot, strips the ball from him. He's going coast to coast. And he gets hammered down at our end, and he comes flying right into me and my buddy's lap. And he's just, like, laid there, spread out across us. It looked like that Pieta statue, you know what I mean, laying in our arms. And then he jumped up. He ran back into the court a couple of steps. He stopped, he turned around, made eye contact with us, and gave us the nod, like, hey, thanks for picking me up there.
0: That's okay. This is so exciting. Now hold on a second here. Are you saying that you were sitting behind the basket, behind the bucket, are, right?
3: Yep, behind the bucket in the very first row. I and mean, play, this was back in the days when the, those courtside seats—you were practically on the court. Did the,
0: did the Bulls win or lose the game?
3: The Bulls. Ah, uh, that's a good question. Did they win or lose the game? Did they win or lose the game? I think they lost the game, but I'm not sure. Okay. All cause... I remember is him laying across me, and I got Michael Jordan sweat on me. And he still had hair then.
0: So it was March. Tw- uh, March. Oh, do I have this right? Hold on a second here. No, no, no. Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm doing the. I'm. I'm looking for the right day on this one here, my friend. just okay. to, Just to double check your work. Okay. Um, hang on. I think it might have been March the fourth. Let's see if Michael was back playing at that point. And... Okay, that's not... You're sure it was the Celtics, huh?
3: It was the Celtics. I'm not 100% sure if it was before or after the injury, though.
0: Okay. Well, before the injury is, not, is, is impossible. And you're okay. sure it was his second season? Yes. You're sure? Hmm. Yep. The Boston Celtics. Could it, is it possible that let's see here i can even tell you what year it was it was
3: it was it was 85 84 or 85
0: could it have been his rookie year could have been could have been his rookie year hang on mm-hmm. okay now if it's his rookie year then now that makes it a little more more so okay all all right. Right. A long
3: time ago, you know what I mean. Okay, so it was probably
0: not the year he broke his foot. If I'm doing the math on, I'm, I'm just looking at the games. But his his rookie season. That's okay. I'm gonna bottom line, Tom. I'm with you. You you saved okay. Michael's career. So there you go. So all thank of us, you. all of us <laughs> in Chicago, thank you. Are you gonna watch the you. Are you gonna watch the last dance tomorrow? Uh, yes, I am for sure. All right. Good. Yeah. Thanks for checking in, man. And thank, right. you, thank, thank you, thank you for saving Michael. All right. Three, one, two. Nine eight one seventy two hundred. I tried to verify the story. I got my basketball reference up here. But late in that season, they didn't play the Celtics after he was hurt. At least I, the, on my quick reference checking here. Now, since we're doing old school MJ stories, back in those days, for people like Tom, who was sitting on the floor, I didn't have those level of seats. Even though they were way more affordable back then. But they also didn't have much security back then at Chicago Stadium, so you could walk, you could kind of sneak into the box seats, and then you could just hop over the hockey boards, and now you're on the floor. And so, if you're a 11-year-old kid, what do you want to do when you're on the floor and you don't actually have a seat? You want to go where they walk off the floor at the end of the game, and Jordan would run off and you would stick out your hand you try to get the high five, and so, I would go down there in the fourth quarter. I'd, I'd try to get by the usher. I'd hop over. I'd sprint to where they were at. And then I'd get the high five from Jordan. Then I wouldn't wash my hand for at least a week. These were non COVID 19 times. Let me uh, let me bring in our guy, Jason Aher, who's the director of The Last Dance. And uh, Bob Surratt had him on on Friday, I believe. 99% certain it was Friday. It might have been Thursday morning. I think it was Friday. Either way, he was on the morning show. And people bob asked him are we going to learn things about michael that perhaps we're not going to like and not want to know about him Do you think this is going to paint him in a negative way that might change a lot of people's image of michael jeffrey jordan
2: i think they're going to come away with uh for better or worse that that's up to people how they want to interpret his honesty and what he says but i think they're going to come away with a more complete accurate picture of the person he is now um, whether you admire that person more or less, based on their honesty, based on on him explaining the way he acted uh, sometimes, but but knowing what you're going to find out about his background, knowing where the seeds of that competitive fire were planted, um, and and knowing what he endured uh, in his early days with the Bulls, all the way up through 1998, year after year after year, to have the mental and physical stamina, yeah, I, I think it's tough to come away. Uh, with anything but respect and admiration for him at the end of these 10 hours.
0: So that's interesting, and the competitiveness of Jordan has been long talked about. So I am interested how they're going to make this feel fresh. And I know they've got the -the behind-the-scenes access, and the promos are given a window into that where they're following him around and you can see Jordan's already annoyed that the cameras are there in places that they're not used to being there and he's shooting free throws by himself in the gym and even stuff like that for us Jordan diehards. It's like, oh, sweet. I've never seen that before on any highlight reel, so it's new. But how they're going to tell this story, I'm, I'm actually incredibly interested in interesting text coming in here jordan was the worst thing to happen to basketball he ruined the game he made it a me game and not a team game i don't know how you win six titles if it's just a me game that's just me but you are and you're also spelling jordan's name wrong it's a n, not o n so perhaps i shouldn't be reading a text if you can't spell michael jordan's name with all due respect that's like I don't know, that feels like the, you got to be able to, but at any rate, I, there is something to be said about your point overall. He did, at least some would argue, that when he was younger, it was all about him putting the ball in the bucket and quote unquote not making his teammates better. I would argue that he was playing with teammates that you couldn't make better. You're not going to make Brad Sellers into a Hall of Famer, you're not going to make some of the, with all due respect, Drek that he was playing with into a world championship team. It took a while for guys like, namely Scottie Pippen, to develop so Michael could win. But uh, there was a transformation there. He did have to take a little bit of the gas off the pedal of his own ability to score, which was you know like turning on a water faucet. He could I mean, it was just so easy for him and try to figure out how can I best incorporate everybody so we can win. And that was something that he had to do over time, and did do, uh, and it wasn't overnight, but once, basically once Scotty became a viable star next to him, there was no stopping the Bulls and, and no stopping Jordan, and it, it just took Pippen a couple of years to finally figure out what he needed to do, get past the migraines and all that type of stuff, and handle the pressure that it, that it took to be a champion playing alongside Michael. All right, coming on back here, we'll move off of Jordan. Kyle Long was doing some work this week uh, for, with Crown Royal for the Generosity Hour. He's helping out bartenders who are not working. And so I got to talk to him, and I asked him about Mitchell Trubisky and what his future is with the Bears and who's going to win the quarterback derby here if we're ever going to have football. Interesting stuff from Kyle coming on back here. seven twenty wgn 720 WGN 645. Blackhawks hockey coming up at the top of the hour. The Hawks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Now I'm back after at 9 until 10. So I'll be back with a little bonus Sports Central coming up after the Hawks game. And just for one more reminder game five. Uh, is tomorrow night and then game six against the flyers when i think a guy by the name of patrick kane might have done something late in that one i will have that for you next saturday night people still want to talk about mj you're welcome to do that 312-981-7200 is the phone number uh and i can tell a couple more michael stories as well here but let, let me get uh let me get back to the phone lines here, 312-981-7200. Let me get Dave in here. Dave, welcome to WGN. Go ahead. You got a Michael story?
4: Yeah, I do, Mark. Uh, uh, great to talk to you. I, I love listening to you. Um, yeah, and uh, I lived on Maui for 10 years and played a lot of golf. And uh, one of my, I used to play with my buddy Mike, and we used to play uh, uh, McKenna North a lot, and it was one of our favorite courses. And one time we were out there, and uh, behind us was like an entourage of people playing from the black tees, where it was Michael and a, a bunch of people. And we were on a little shorter uh, hole, and uh, all of a sudden we're down there, and it was roped off so you couldn't walk across. And he hit my cart, literally. And uh, it was like, oh, my God, Michael just hit my cart. I want to go back and get an autograph or something. And Mike said, no, 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 no. So anyway, we finished up the cart the whole, the the 18 holes, and at the end, he was right behind us, so we wanted to wait and take a look at him and, you know, just see, take a look at Michael. Anyway, he drove by in his cart, smiling, and kind of waved to us and stuff, and we were, like, on the putting green there, and then uh, we decided to go inside the clubhouse to see, because they all went inside the clubhouse, and we wanted to just be a fly on the wall there. Well, anyway, inside... They all they all came in his little entourage and everybody and they pushed a whole bunch of uh tables together like a big long uh uh table and Michael sit at the sat at the end of it with a Big wad of money in in his left hand and a cigar in his right hand, and everybody just kept coming up to him and paying him, so they must have been just gambling on everything on the course, and I thought that was just uh, the epitome of this competitive guy who was, you know, just uh, uh, a lot of the stories just came true to me. At that
0: point, yeah, I was hoping you were going to say he was setting up the casino and he was going to be the house and you sat down and played with him, Dave, but apparently he was just collecting golf dough.
4: Yeah, well, I, I wish I was, but I just <laughs> kind of was intimidated It was a fly on the wall there, but that was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, Dave, appreciate it. Pre- thanks for sharing, man. Appreciate it. 312 981 7200. Ton of stories like that where and i've heard charles barkley talk about it i hang around with famous people all the time michael is the only one where people literally just want to stare at him like they'll go out and shoot pool and it'll be roped off at a bar and people will stand behind the ropes just watching jordan shoot pool for hours on end doing absolutely nothing barkley's like you know i I hang out with a lot of famous people. Nobody stands behind the ropes for hours just to watch Jordan shoot pool. And I'm sitting there listening to Barkley tell the story I'm like, yeah, I would do that. I would be that. I would be that. I'd be that guy who just wanted to like pick up little intricacies. Ooh, he wasn't happy. He hit that shot that way and and that would be enough to amuse me for a couple of hours I'd watch him play pool. All right. Let's uh let's uh, do as promised here and get our guy Kyle Long in here. And um, so Kyle is of course no longer with the Bears he was released and in the middle of last season and is a free agent dude not gonna well not even a free agent he's retired so he's free to say whatever he wants now I want to make sure you know that he said a lot of positive things about Mitchell Trubisky by the end of the interview but I asked him at the start hey Kyle who do you think is going to win the quarterback derby Mitchell Trubisky and or Nick Foles?
1: Long answer short, the writing is on the wall for my friend number 10, and we are going to potentially see him in another jersey in years to come here. Uh, Sooner rather than later, I think Nick Foles is brought in to be the starting quarterback. There's uh, There's no real secret there.
0: What do you think, to this point, has been the biggest thing missing with Mitch?
1: Unfortunately, help. Uh, In the offensive line, which is why I'm 270 pounds now and talking to you on Zoom, because I'm not getting ready to play in a football season. Uh, There's other guys who are um, and have struggled to stay healthy. I think that the tight end position is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, You look at teams like San Francisco and Baltimore, and they have strength in numbers when it comes to studs from the offensive line to the tight ends, uh, and we could really implement that in our offense. And, you know, I know Matt Nagy understands that, but it's a matter of going out there and getting the right pieces. Do you think Jimmy Graham can still play? Yes. Uh, Jimmy Graham is an all-pro Jimmy Graham, but you're looking at a potential alternate for Pro Bowl with a guy like Jimmy Graham in the NFC North. Uh, when times are tough and running the ball is, is big and then you get a change-up with a six foot seven guy who can jump out of the gym – it's, uh, it's nice to have a guy like Jimmy Graham. Even over the hill, he's more athletic than all the guys in the secondary.
0: No doubt. What do you make of his numbers in Green Bay? Because he was playing with a pretty damn good quarterback up there.
1: Really good quarterback, but it's a really unique situation up there with Aaron. And I know he does find comfort in the tight end position. But Aaron is uh, – I think he's an anomaly. I think we can all understand that. So if you're looking at the numbers for a tight end who is fresh in Green Bay – um, I don't know if I could stack those up against a guy like uh, the tight end they had there for a few years who was very comfortable with Aaron. Uh, you know, we, we could see him have some good numbers this year, uh, and with Foles potentially going to be the starting quarterback, uh, they're going to need a safety blanket.
0: Do you think we're going to have football come September?
1: Well, right now it's one of those things where we don't know and all we can do is do what we're supposed to do. That's stay home, uh, you know, social distancing, all that stuff is very good. I think it's smart. And uh, if we don't know, we don't know. But we do know that staying home right now is the best bet.
0: So if you are still playing and they're like, hey, Kyle, we want you to come to training camp in a, in a month, how would you feel about that?
1: Obviously, uh, contractually speaking – they would have the right, if I were to say no, to say, well, you're not getting this unless there is a clause in for something like this, which is why I'm not an agent. Um, but, yeah, if if it's the safety of the world and the health of the world, then I, I would uh, implore people to follow the rules. Yeah.
0: Hey, uh, I know you've always been super complimentary to Jay Cutler, and we saw him down at the uh, NCAA championship game this year in, in New Orleans. Give me one thing – that Jay would do that would annoy you.
1: Well, I'll give you one thing that would annoy me, and it's an example of why I think he's the best leader I've ever been a teammate with. Okay. Um, he would show up at my house at six thirty in the morning on off days. So we play on. Uh, we play on a Sunday night. Uh, I'd want to sleep in on Monday morning, and Jay said, "No, no, 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 no. You played eighty snaps and beat the heck out of people. You got to go get your body worked on." So he would be walk. He'd break into my house with his kids. Uh, he'd have his kids in his arms, and he'd wake me up, and he'd say, get your butt in there. We're going to get eggs first, but we're going to get to that training room. You're going to be healthy for next week because I threw for three touchdowns last week. How do you think that you and Jay had this bond? Well, I think Jay understood uh, that if there's a, a part in the pocket, he could, we had a great offensive line at the beginning uh, when I first got there, a yeah. bunch of veterans. I was the young buck. Um Jermon Bushrod, Roberto Garza, Matt Slauson, um, you know, Jordan Mills, a number of guys in that room were huge. But I think for Jay and I, it was just he could step up in the pocket behind the right guard and sling the ball to Brandon Marshall. And he felt comfortable with that. And he's a guy that we could go downtown and we could grab a crown of cola.
0: Who was the best coach you played for? You had Tressman, Fox, and, and of course, Ben. You've got to be
1: more specific. Best is a very – so you can ask me. You can maybe turn this into three questions and okay. change the verbiage. You do what you got to do, but I, I have no problem answering these questions.
0: Who was who was the best strategist?
1: Best strategist was Mark Tressman. Um, I would say the best uh, the best players coach was uh, Matt Nagy. For me, he did a great job taking care of me in terms of you know you shouldn't practice today. Um, and just a guy I, I'd want to grab a crown and cola with, and maybe I have. John Fox, tremendous dude. But there you go. You got three answers there.
0: So there we go. That was my conversation with Kyle Long on Zoom in these crazy times. Uh, if you want to hear more of that, you can check out the Windy City podcast. The Windy City podcast. Kyle Long is awesome. Blackhawks hockey is awesome, too. That's coming on up. Final timeout on Sports Central, 720 WGN.